What was the podcasting industry like all those years ago when I first started? Ten years ago, to be precise. And what does it take to run a podcast hosting platform? And try and keep on top of an educational podcast like the Podcast Accelerator. Well, I figured I'd give you a look behind the curtain. Go a little bit deeper into really what it takes to kind of do all of these podcasting endeavors and stay on top of it whilst also keeping it fun because that of course can be the challenge but instead of forcing you to listen to me harp on about the good old days of podcasting how it used to be and what it is like to do a few of the things that I do I decided to bring on someone who loves podcasting probably more than I do someone who can truly say he spends his time Trying to make the industry better, enjoying the podcasting industry and getting to know everyone within it. It is, of course, my wonderful co-host and interviewer, Mr. Danny Brown, of course, from Captivate, our fantastic head of sport and experience and the founder and host of the wonderful Pod Chat, amongst many other podcasts. What's up, dude? How are you? I'm good. I feel kind of strange sitting in Gary's seat because normally it's you and Gary on the old Spark Rebellion and all the, the cool nerd stuff. So it feels kind of weird sat here. Well, you you are a lot better looking than Gary, uh, a lot more charming <laughs> and um, of course a lot funnier as well. So Gary, if you're listening to this, I mean everything. I mean it all. But yeah, we're talking about the Star Wars show that Gaz and I do, which is a hobby show, SparkRebellion.com. And uh, this is weird because I'm going to put this out the week commencing the 8th of May, but we're actually recording this on May the 4th, dude, so happy Star Wars Day to you, my friend. Happy Star Wars Day. Many, many years. What's that? 40 plus years now. 77, 78. Good grief. Wow, it's insane. I actually went to watch Return of the Jedi as well in the cinema the other day. It was fascinating to see it. It was fantastic, man. Really loved it. That'd be cool to see that. And I, I, I saw there was like some little uh, Funko toys there and some original Star Wars memorabilia. Yeah, they were throwing all that out. And then a local guy to us, Matt Ferguson, did the, the worldwide global poster for it, which is on Disney Plus as well. So he's a guy from Sheffield, Matt Ferguson, does a lot with Disney. And it's, uh, it's just been really nice to be a part of that. But something that we're a part of every single day, of course, is the now big world, bigger world of podcasting. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring on someone that I know, someone that I trust, someone that I class as a friend, someone that I, I knew would do a good job of chatting through what it's like to do the things that we do in podcasting, just so I had the chance to, I think, share some of the things that I rarely get to share. So I want to thank you for doing this, mate. But I'm actually, I'm just going to hand over to you. I'm going to let you run the podcast accelerator. So for you, the ever-present listener, you're in fine, safe hands with Mr. Danny Brown. Thank you, Mark. And I will try not to break your show. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so, yeah, it's, I, I think I am what I'm looking forward to is picking your brain about, obviously you've been in podcasting for ooh, 10 years at least now. Um, you've got the, the scars and grey hair starting to show for it. Um, so I'm sure you've got a lot to talk about. And I know, you know, with the podcast accelerator relaunching, it's a good opportunity. So kind of a catch up of the show, the industry, what's coming down the line, that kind of stuff. So thanks for inviting me on to be that kind of co-host for this episode. Oh, it's a pleasure. There's been a lot changed just even in the, the, the hiatus, the year off uh, from this show. So it's been a, a big a big industry shift. You know, a lot of things kind of been tweaked. Some things have stayed the same that I think will inevitably always stay the same. But yeah, I'm looking forward to digging in. Yeah, and obviously the show, I mean, it's four years old now this month. So happy birthday, Podcast Accelerator. Um, probably about the same age as Captivate, I would have thought. Um, four years old, 2019. And it's got over you know 300 episodes. Yeah, sorry to interrupt on that. You're right. That's, that shocks me a little bit. I forgot about that. Yeah, we launched Captivate into like an alpha. Ian Anderson Gray started, he was the first user on Captivate and I forced Kieran to let him on in April 2019 when and Kieran had gone on holiday. I was like, it'll be fine. Just get just let Ian on. It'll be all right. So yeah, that's, that's weird. And actually, I think on May the 4th as well, Spark Rebellion launched as well in 20, 2019, which is... wow. Yeah, how bizarre. Never thought of any of that. A lot of birthdays. And obviously your little girl, um, who obviously we'll, we'll mention later, little Dory, she must be approaching her first birthday now, I think. Or over her oh, she's birthday. beyond it. She's 15 months in 20 days, which is oh, my terrifying. <laughs> so as I mentioned, I mean, uh, a congratulations, happy birthday on the fourth anniversary, fourth birthday of Podcast uh, Accelerator. 
What was the initial goal when you initially launched the shop and how has that changed over time, format, ideas, etc.? I think for me, the, the goal has always been the same with any kind of content that I've put out and, and, and not only content, but any kind of product that I've put out, whether that's my original excellence expected content, whether that is podcast websites, which we still have and we still run, whether it's Captivate, whether the Accelerator, my old shows, the Seven Minute Mentor, Spark Rebellion. Uh, it's number one, first and foremost, to have fun. You know, we've, we've both been in corporate. We've both been in jobs that we're not keen on. We've both, even when I wasn't in corporate, you know, I left the corporate world 18 years ago now, which is terrifying. And even, even, even having clients at an agency, you do a lot of work that you really just aren't that keen on because it's just the way of having your own business. So every, my entire goal, the whole thing uh, and the whole idea for me in podcasting was to get into this thing because I love it. Similar to you, get into this thing because I actually love it. And I'd still podcast you know, even if I didn't work in it. And and in fact, I have podcasted, even though I've had the podcast accelerator down for a year, I've still done Spark Rebellion. I've done the new show, It's How Old, which you kindly shared yesterday, which is launching shortly. Um, So for me, it was very much about like, find that fun first. And then when it comes to, you know, can we make a living from it? Let's see how that goes. And I've always been um, quite sensible with that. So when it came to launching the podcast accelerator, it was sort of a continuation of that. And it, it was really focused on, like I'm, you know me, I'm pretty anti-guru. I think there's a lot of people that see an opportunity in industries or in things that are doing well, dive in, sell a load of snake oil and smoke and mirrors and then bail again. Like you see all the time, the people in 2008 that were social media gurus, 18 months ago were NFT gurus. And guess what? Now they're AI gurus. And each one of them has been a podcasting guru and people like that are cropping up all the time. So for me, with the Accelerator, it was sort of a different offer. It was almost the promise of, of no hyperbole, no BS, no like getting overexcited about things that might be a flash in the pan, getting overexcited. Like remember Clubhouse? Like, <laughs> we're oh, not yeah. getting excited about that. We didn't get excited about that. We, we did it sensibly. Um, so it was very much a way of, of, of keeping things grounded, but also I think an important aspect of this is I, I podcast, I've done I don't know, 13, 1400 episodes of, of varying podcasts plus countless interviews on other people's podcasts at this point. And, and it was, it was very important for me to understand that I'm a podcaster, but actually what I really do is I'm, I'm a, I'm a product guy. I'm a sort of lapsed developer and I'm, I'm really a brand marketer. I'm not a technical marketer. I'm more of a brand marketer. So all of those skills, maybe outside of the development part, are really things that people need to grow their podcast. So it was, how can I like fulfill all the promises? No BS, no hyperbole, no getting people excited about things, you know, thinking it's a silver bullet or I'm going to 10X this and 50X this if you just sign up for a 97 bucks a month course. But how can I also take all these things that I do every day with Captivate and that I've done for the last 18 years for myself and bring them to podcasters because they are skills that podcasters need, even though... No one tells you that they need them. So it was, that's the goal with the accelerator. And I've tried different formats. I've tried short form, long form. We do interviews and it's, it's, it's about being adaptable. So that was the goal was to just give some no BS education from the other, you know, I suppose the elements of what I do for a living that people don't see when they see me on a podcast, because they don't realize I do these, you know, the actual nine to five is this stuff. Bring that to podcasters, help them to learn from it. And be there to answer questions without trying to sell them anything. So yeah, that, that part of it is important. And you'd mentioned obviously experimentation with formats, length, you know, frequency. Uh, I mentioned you've had over 300, 332 episodes, I think, if I've got the exact number right, in the space of four years, which is more than one episode <coughs> a week if you do it on an average. Um, but th- so you were very, very, you know, um, busy for want of a better word with the show and all the other stuff. You got Captivate, you've got your other hobbyist podcasts, et cetera. But it went silent for a year, a complete year. It just went switched off. Um, and you did p- publish an episode about taking a hiatus back last April, I think maybe March. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did go quiet for a whole year. And you launched, relaunched with a bonus episode last week about, you know, they talked a bit about the hiatus, you know, why you took it. And you actually mentioned that you had come super, super close to actually just closing it all down, switching it off, sending out a final episode. But you changed your mind and here you are 
with the new revamped relaunch show. And I know you're, you know, you've got a, a lot of ideas for how that's going to look with the new format. So what changed your mind? What excited you again about this, this show and your insights? I think the thing that excited me about bringing the accelerator back, and I, I do want to kind of bookend this with, and I mentioned this in the episode last week, I legitimately recorded a, a this is finished goodbye episode. I recorded it. I wrote the script for it. I'd done everything. Um, th- I think the reason that, that I brought it back and the reason that I couldn't bring myself to publish that was, is just because I've always got something to say. You know me, I'm always pretty mouthy and I still <laughs> do a lot of other people's podcasts. Um, but I was just burnt out. You know, the reason I took the hiatus that I mentioned in last week's bonus episode was I was simply burnt out. There's only so much content you can do um, about the same sort of thing. So I think I had to restock the mind a little bit on actually what what is important to people. What do people want to hear from me? But also it was, we had a lot of transition behind the scenes that even probably you didn't see it as, as even part of Captivate. You know, when we integrate with global, there's just a lot of things that you've got to do. Just stuff that, you know, for the with the best will in the world, you want to put an episode out on a Monday, which is like the worst time to publish an episode because it, <laughs> it's Monday. And, and 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 that was, I think, highlighted by the fact that someone just needed something from me on a Monday. Um, so there's there was that element to it where I thought I thought, look. Enough time has passed now where we can, you know, we're integrated well into global. We've got brilliant product releases. We've got a a mega release coming out uh, next week with Captivate, which is a huge release, which we'll talk about after it's been released. But the the ability to do the day-to-day stuff, the stuff that I enjoy doing has come back a little bit more flexibly because that major integration into global was done. Also, of course, I had such a big personal year with, with, with Dot being born and, um, just kind of helping Sam through that transition, transition, me going through that transition and, and just the bandwidth and the brain space required to produce good content. It just wasn't there. And I think this is the thing. I, I went through so many changes with the podcast accelerator because I wanted to keep producing good content. And to me, that was reflective of how the industry shifted. Like I started with a, I think it was a daily show and then a five, five times a week show and then twice a week. And, and it went from short form to getting progressively longer to the point where when I stopped the show and went on hiatus last year, it was very long form. You know, there are some eight, 9,000 word pieces that I recorded as audio, which are great, but they require a day to do. And that to me was reflective of like where the industry went. There's enough podcasts now that you can get content on anything that you want. So in order to stand out, you've got to be really good. And that was that evolution of the accelerator was short form was good back then. It didn't have to be as well thought out and well planned because I still had a lot of good to give and a lot of value and a lot of actionable stuff. But as in the industry has progressed and more listeners have come on board and the industry started to, to fracture in some ways, but unify in other ways. I I had to just keep refining that and refining that. And I didn't last year when I went on the hiatus, it was sort of a, how do I keep delivering this really good content at a time where we've got a new child, we are integrating into a much, much bigger business than ours that thankfully leaves us alone. You know, we still, we were pretty autonomous. We do great work for everyone, but still requires my attention. How do I give the best content to the listener? It just wasn't fair to give substandard content. Like I'm, I'm pretty open with that. And I think part of, um, part of the responsibility as someone that educates in podcasting is to be really open and honest when you can't give good content out. Cause there are that many podcasters out there that think I want to do great content, but I just don't have the time to do it. What should I do? Should I stop? Should I carry on? Should I hate us? And I think I could have sort of BS'd my way through it. Hmm and produced content that other people would have thought was good enough, but I wouldn't have been happy with it. And I, I didn't see the point in doing it. Like, you know, let you carry on with pod chat because it's brilliant content. Let the other people that are passionate about the industry give that amazing content at a time when I wasn't able to do it because there's enough space for everyone. So what I think what reignited me was, you know, all that, all that burden disappearing, you know, we settled into every, all the new facets of life have been settled into now. And 
I had people asking. You know, I literally had people asking. Um, two things, actually. When are you coming back? Brilliant. That was, that was amazing to hear. But the second thing was um, I got people asking, Mark, what do you think about this? So it might be like, what do you think about YouTube and podcasting? What do you think about this course I've been offered? What do you think about this sponsorship deal? What do you think about X, Y, and Z? And I get a lot of emails and DMs about this all, all the time. And I thought to myself, people still seem to want that straight talking advice. You know, they're not looking for the, you know, like when someone asks what microphone to buy, they're not looking for the, well, here are 10 and I'm not going to commit to one in case it's wrong and you think I'm an idiot. I'm not that guy. I'm the other guy that's like, well, these nine aren't very good. Use this one. You know, I'm very straight talking with that. And people seem to want that. And, and the appetite didn't disappear. And I think I'll tell you what's fascinating. A lot of people think that when you go on a hiatus, you lose all your listeners. You do not. I've had the highest download episode last week when I put the bonus episode out. Um, the, the first six hours were the highest downloads that I've seen across the show. And that's with barely any promo. Mm. It wasn't featured in pod news uh, on that day. There was nothing special about it. I've had the highest number of downloads and the back catalog has continued to grow. It has continued to receive downloads. The, the high, just that hiatus episode that I put out like March 2022, April 2022, thousands of people listen to it, which is startling. And that's, continued to grow. Um, so I think that was, that was a final factor was that the appetite was still there. Cause I will tell you this, just to long windedly finish up this answer. The, the, the landscape gets busy. All right. Everyone now has an opinion on podcasting and you know, there are podcasts about podcasting and how to grow your podcast and this, that, and the other. And I think one of the other things that I didn't mention in that episode last week was sort of, Maybe the feeling that I didn't have enough to say to compete with, with all that other stuff, because a lot of people, like there's great people in the industry like yourself and, and a lot of people like Ariel and people like James and Sam and putting out really good content, but there's a lot of crap. There's a lot of people that have got really dodgy clickbait titles that are podcasts about podcasting. And I thought to myself, can I really be bothered trying to quote unquote compete with that? And I just thought, no, there's, there's, there's no point, you know? Um, and that changed. That changed this year when I realized I got my bandwidth back. I got everything back that I needed. I'd seen people asking for it. And I thought, do you know what? It turns out people do want that straight talking. So, you know, sort of screw the gurus. I'm going to come back and be a pain in their neck again. So, yeah, <laughs> a long-winded answer. But there was a lot to that. It's quite a, it's quite a thinker, that, you know? And I think to that point, it goes back to your, uh, you know, your ethos of putting only quality content out, not just being like the other 20, 30, 40 podcasters that talk about podcasting, um, which shows, you know, if you've got quality evergreen content, the audience will remain. You build up a loyal audience because they trust your content beforehand. They'll, they'll remain there for you, which you, you mentioned. Obviously, they're waiting for that to come back. So that's awesome to hear. We talked about, obviously, that the show is four years old. But you've been in the industry for ooh, 10 years. Let's call it a good old simple decade, a nice decade, nice round number. And there must have been some change. Well, we know there's been some changes. But you, for you specifically, what have you seen really different between podcasting today and podcasting in 2013? There are so many things that have changed in the last 10 years, I think, of, 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 of me being in podcasting. The, the first thing I think that, that has remained, that's the first place to start, I think, is the sense of community. I remember going to NMX in 2015 when we were just, we'd just, we'd launched podcast websites maybe two months before, 18th of February, 2015, we launched podcast websites. Um, and no one knew me. You know, I was, I went out and spoke there. I spoke at Podcast Movement that year. I spoke at NME, NMEU, Mike and Isabella's gig, um, 2015. And, the community has remained. That was the big thing that struck me. That's what sold me on podcasting. You know, prior to that, I was, uh, 2013 was myself and Gaz with our original show, Two Shots of the Head, Geek Culture, DC stuff, brilliant. Um, really loved that show, just like really loved doing it, but it was, it was a laugh. It was a hobby. And then 2014, I started my own personally branded show, uh, which led to where we are today, but you know, there's a direct path between all of that. Um, so the big thing that got me hooked on podcasting was the community. 
but in particular the independent community. You know, so I went to NMX. Um, yeah, I went to NMX in 2015, and and and, and there was there was Rob was there, Elsie was there, uh, Todd, Rob Greenlee, Jess. Pretty much that's it. I can remember, obviously, just eat and drink with them. I met Jonathan Oakes from Trivial Warfare, who just started his show, so he's coming up uh, on nearly a decade as well. Ramona Rice, a few other people, uh, Jordan Harbinger, uh, Pat Flynn. Um, you know, all the all those people were there, and I was sold on this sense of community. Like, no one knew me, but everyone embraced me. Um, and it was the same, and I've always tried to foster that. So that's the thing that stayed the same amongst independent creators. That's why I did so much travel and so many conferences because because of that. The thing that has changed, there's a, there's a number of different things. Um, you and I have spoken about it before, the, the, and I've written about this, I, mean, I wrote about this about six years ago, the fracturing of the industry, and I wrote a piece a while ago, the gap between indie and, and big podcasting. Um, and this idea that, you know, the 99% of podcasting is made up of independence, like you and I trying to, trying to make our way in this hobbyist world. Um, and then there's media, you know, there's the Wondery. Wondery was like, the, for me, the big company that came in and really set out their stall as being, we are a media company creating things with diverse IP that can then be made into other things. It's not just a podcast. And we've seen that much more wildly now. So whether it's, um, you know, whether it's Grim and Mild with Aaron, um, whether it's, you know, Pineapple Street, obviously Wondery purchased by Amazon, all the Spotify originals, Globals owned and operated stuff, uh, the 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 stuff um, First Action Bureau by Jerry Anderson's crew, um, Jamie and his team. This is all IP that has been created to be media. And that's, that's been the big thing because people worried about that. Like in 2017, I remember doing a talk at Podcast Movement when all this really started to kick off. You know, Serial was out, Sarah Koenig was the, the, the keynote or uh, PM in maybe Chicago, maybe Fort Worth. Maybe the, the one maybe where Kevin Smith was at, which was like geek heaven for me. I loved that. Um, and, and, and it was, that was the time when indies like you and me and the hobbyists that have got like 200 downloads an episode really started getting worried. And all these questions started coming out. What does this mean for me? How do I grow my show? How do I monetize? Then you had like, and there's nothing wrong with this, even though it's going to sound like there is, like the entrepreneur crew that was like, oh yeah, you, you know, you can make a pile of money from podcasting. Uh-uh. You can, but I can make a pile of money from being a brickie. I can make a pile of money from tech. I can make a pile of money from golf. I can make a pile of money from anything that I put all the practice, time, effort, and professionalism into. That's not like, that's not rocket science or wizardry, is it? So it's that that element fractured it where big post- podcasting came around. And then the second thing that happened around the same time for me, uh, and this is another big change, is like tech started getting interested. So like VCs, and we've had it with Captivate, you know, but I still get it today. Like, would you like investment for Captivate? No, I'm good. Um, and, and people trying to buy tech. And we saw all these crazy acquisitions. We saw Simplecast. Um, we saw um, like Stitcher change hands. We've seen all sorts. Glow, we've seen, obviously, Captivate become part of Global. Um, and, and, and all of these acquisitions made the industry interesting to people that thought they wanted to be in an industry where they could make a quick book. And... That was the big change. Now it's a bit different, you know, that I think, I actually think in the last year that's changed. Maybe we'll get to that. But, um, so we saw all that go ahead and that scared a lot of the independent people. Those people, the, the very same people like embraced me through community, um, were, were worried. What does this mean? So I think in short, the way to summarize that is when I got into podcasting, it was, it was, what's the best way to phrase this? It was a media that had a foot in different industries. So what I mean by that is it was sort of like, I can create my own content. This is great. And anyone can listen to it. And it doesn't matter what I talk about because it's my podcast. But it's not an industry as such. There's a little bit of ad revenue. There's maybe like 180,000 shows. But we're really like in the tech industry because we're a hosting company like Libsyn or whatever. Oh, we're, we're like a radio company. So we're in the radio industry. But now podcasting is the industry. It employs that many people. And it's the, if you're a, if you're a digital marketer, you've probably got 
for if you work for a, a large enough company, a budget for podcast sponsorships where you didn't before. The whole programmatic side has really matured. The whole way that we measure things continues to mature. Um, so I think that's the big change. It's, it's become an actual, like an actual bona fide industry. And there's a lot that goes along with that, but I think that's the biggest change. There's a lot of sort of subheaders beneath that, but that's, that's the headline, I think. Um, and it's, I think one of the, one of the, like one of the pieces of advice that I think I would give to anyone getting into podcasting is, is, is to sort of ignore that. Like if you, if you create a YouTube channel, you don't think, oh my word, I'm not going to create a YouTube channel because it'll never grow because Netflix exists or movies. You know, so why would you, I get people all the time and you'll be the same. Is is podcasting too busy? Is it too late to start a podcast? Like, no, of course not. Like we better stop writing books. If that's the way you're thinking, or we better stop making new films or better stop creating new Netflix series or like that. It's not, it's not about that. And it, it baffles me because especially the hobbyists, you know, a lot of people get into podcasting and, 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 and like as genuinely as, as hobbyists and they'll say, is it too late? Is it, are these good numbers? And I'm like, well, if you start to play golf, right? If your neighbor comes around and says, do you want to go out for a knock? You say, well, I've never played before. And they say, well, here's some spare clubs. Let's get into it. You are literally not going to go home the next day and go, right. Time to create, grow and monetize my golf game. <laughs> You're just not. It's like, it's nuts. And it's, so I, I, I think that's another thing that's been a, like a bit of a, almost like running with a parachute on. It's, it holds a lot of people back. This idea that you have to monetize the thing when we all know that to monetize something, you've just got to be passionate about it because then you, then you get good at it. You know, competence leads to confidence and confidence leads to, consistency and consistency leads to people starting to notice you and people noticing you leads to money. And that's just, that's like marketing. Um, so yeah, that's been such a huge shift. People worrying about it's now an industry. Is it too late for me to get into it? How do I make money doing it? And, and, and you know, better than anyone else, you know, the way that you build fandom and the way that you make money from fandom is like to genuinely focus on building fans and friends. Um, and, and to bring this right back to the beginning of, of, of the question and the answer, like that's what people were doing back then is embracing the people around them and building them as an audience and friendship group and so on and so forth. So it's sort of ironic because a lot has changed, but so much has stayed the same. And I wonder if part of that is down to, and I know you've spoken about this before, um, we see the community, the community is awesome, but you also see um, maybe some old guard podcasters or old guard uh, tech leaders, etc. Um, the industry is at what you mentioned as the teenage stage. You know, we've gone past the, the baby steps, etc. We've sort of got a, we're a foothold in the media entertainment industry. We know what podcasting is, what it wants to achieve, what we want to achieve. But it's still very much all down to you need an RSS feed with a podcast host or some kind of hosting solution and an MP3 file for your audio. And that stayed pretty much the same since the first days of podcasting. And I wonder if that, that reliance on RSS or the, the, the idea of reliance on RSS might be holding the industry back when it comes to new podcasts coming on, other companies getting involved, etc. Um, do you think that's that's the case or do you think that, that we're just talking about or concentrating on the wrong thing there? Well, someone's after some social media clips, aren't they? <laughs> I like this. Um, I think the idea of RSS being at the centre of podcasting is brilliant and, 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 and open podcasting is super important. You know, Captivate supports that through Podcasting 2.0 and being part of the PSP. Whether you agree with, with those initiatives or not, there's no harm in them at the minute. Um, does... An RSS feed harm the growth of podcasting? I wouldn't say so because like sort of who cares as a listener or as a tech company? So take take someone like Spotify. And I've said this before on in interviews. I wrote a piece ages ago, like five years ago, saying that Spotify did not need RSS feeds and, you know, maybe they wouldn't use them in the future. And I got absolutely battered by all of the um, people that are friends. That's the irony. 
you know, you're silly, you're naive, you don't know a podcast, and I was like, you don't know tech. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was, guess what? Spotify don't need RSS feeds. They don't. Neither does, neither does any player. They could choose to accept via any other method, whether it's JSON, which they wouldn't do because it's pointless. It's essentially an RSS feed again, if, you know, the, for, for all intents and purposes. Um, they could choose to ingest via API. That it literally makes no difference to the listener experience whatsoever. But, it's not podcasting, right? So I see this on two hands. On the first hand, I see the people forging ahead without RSS regardless. So people like Spotify, who cares? They're just going to do what they're going to do and they're going to do it really well. And guess what? I'm really sorry to say, but they are going to make money and get users doing it because it's not a bad experience. And you get a lot of people, I don't like listening to podcasts in Spotify because it's not the best podcast app. My mum doesn't care. She ain't downloading Overcast or Pocket Casts or Good Pods. She's got an iPhone. She don't even know Apple Podcasts is on there. And I ain't telling her because she thinks I work with computers. <laughs> so that's just a wasted Sunday. So the point is that it, the, the tech companies that are going to do it will take the lambasting that they will get and they will, they've weathered it before. They will continue to weather anything that the industry throws, throws at them because they know what users do. That's the annoying thing to a lot of people in podcasting is that people like Spotify come along and they know what users do because they're really good at it because they're massive and they've got billions and billions and billions of events logged and data points tracked to analyze. So, of course, you know, they're going to forge ahead without RSS. That said, the goal of podcasting and the point of originally being a podcaster was to syndicate things yourself using an open RSS feed that anyone can read using a simple reader. And that should and will not ever go away. And that's fine. And that is how it should be. And it will continue to develop. It relies on a lot of other things developing. So the apps developing, hosting companies like Captivate developing, standardization, which is sort of happening. It relies on users like caring, which is the classic tech adoption curve. They're not going to care for a long, long time that we've introduced a new feature. They don't care. They don't care about value for value. What the hell's that? Just give me some money. You know, that's <laughs> it, like, again, you know, that, my mum doesn't care. Like, take it down the next level. My brother, who's more tech literate and, you know, much more tech savvy than my mum, go and spend this Satoshi Go do what? All right, okay. Well, it's sort of like a pound, but imagine if a pound was really not worth that much and you needed loads of them and you can't really grab them. So, you know that sandwich you're going to get at dinner time. You can't get it with that. Sorry, mate. He's not fussed. He don't want to do that. So to him, it's a, it's transient. It's like, yeah, that's cool. That's for the geeks. And that's a standard adoption curve. Like that always happens. Look at Uber 10 years ago you know, versus where it is now. Look at look at podcasting 10 years ago. Look at AI. Look at um, the blockchain at large. You know, so that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the normal adoption curve. It's the, the cutting edge people, the early adopters and so on. And, and, and that's just how adoption works. Um, so I don't think RSS hinders it. I don't think RSS is going away. I think we all need to probably stop whining about the fact that it's not a quote-unquote podcast if it doesn't have an RSS feed because like that is something that will hold our thinking back and I'm not saying we get rid of RSS I would never say that like what would I do for work but the point is that it, we, we can't I don't think we can close our, our minds and our thought processes down by saying that this is not the thing because I t so here's the irony of that if you start saying things like it's not a podcast unless these conditions are met and this coming from a big 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 advocate for open podcasting and rss feeds but if you start saying things like that and you advocate for the open podcast ecosystem by saying things like that you become the gatekeeper mm. that you never, ever said should exist. You are Anakin Skywalker becoming the very thing that you said you were going to destroy. And that's the problem. That you 
the balance is so tough with that. And I think the only way that we can solve that is to continue to be open-minded and say, look, you know what? Maybe 10 years ago, podcasts couldn't do this thing. And whatever that was, like, oh, podcasts don't have adverts. Podcasts don't have programmatic adverts. Well, not right now they don't, but who knows what's going to happen? Who's knows, who knows where they're going to be in 10 more years time? So yeah, a, 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 an interesting, insightful question. And I think to summarize it, we shouldn't get too caught up on RSS. It's in its rightful place. It can develop, it will develop. And that is the core of open podcasting, which should and will remain for the vast majority of podcasters. However, those that feel less strongly about open podcasting far less stronger than you and I do and the other hosting friends that we've got, they will forge ahead regardless of RSS. And that just comes down to that fracture that we talked about between indie and big podcasting. And that's just the way of the world. It's just tech. That's the way it goes. So interesting. Maybe we'll do this again in 10 years. (laughs) I might still have some hair by then. Um, it, it I will admit, <laughs> definitely not. It, it does remind me though, uh, and I, I'm glad you mentioned the Open Podcast Project. Um, like I know you've got the podcast in 2.0, we're involved in a podcast standards project, etc. And it does kind of go back to the community where we should, all we should be thinking about is a listener in the community. What's the benefit to them? We don't, they don't care about what happens behind the scenes. It's like if you go to the movie theater and you watch a 3D movie, you get the 3D specs. It looks amazing. I went to see the original avatar and that just blew me away. Like the 3D, that was probably one of the best, only good one about 3D. But as a, a watcher, I don't care that you need X amount of lenses. You need them all focused at the same time. You need these colors lined up, etc. I just have to put on the glasses and I've got 3D. So it's like podcasting. I open my app or I press play on our web player and that's it. I'm good to go. So I think, yeah, it's, it's like you say, I, I'm hoping that, you know, the the, the, the vocal um, counter advocates, if you like, I guess, um, aren't the ones that are listened to the most because I think that would maybe, you know, possibly hinder the industry as far as audience and listener benefits go. Yeah, I agree. I think that the the way to progress podcasting and the way that podcasting should and will continue to progress is through balance. I think it's the only way, you know, the, I don't think you can think in any industry in, in such binary terms as this is the definition of X because it might have been. And I think that's why people get upset by it because that's what it used to be. And that's, that's the only thing it used to be. But now it's such a diverse set of opportunities for businesses like Spotify that want to come in and challenge it. And like I say, I'm not advocating for Spotify, but nor am I advocating for RSS. I'm advocating for balance. I'm advocating for let's progress the things that we are passionate about, but don't close the doors on other things. Because if we do, how can we take the best elements from everything to give the very best to our creators, to our listeners and so on? And, you know, you've only got, like you said, 3D. That's a great example. We had the, you know, Avatar in 3D. It's fantastic. It was pretty good. It looked well. But then guess what? All TVs became 3D for a little while. And then people realized it was crap. Hmm. But what else came out of that? IMAX, which is absolutely brilliant. And it is stunning. And when it's used well, it's amazing as an experience. There are certain films, Spider-Man No Way Home, any Star Wars, that you are only going to see in IMAX because it is that good. And that's like the bit that came out of 3D. The rest of it didn't. And that's the thing with podcasting. It's like you sort of iron sharpens iron sort of scenario. You know, you, you have to butt up against something to develop. But the risk, I think, for a lot of people in podcasting, especially the industry, it, it doesn't sharpen iron. What it does is it forces that thinking to retract and to, to become stagnant, to, to hold on to the things that were as opposed to looking at what is possible. And I, I, I do believe that's why we're fortunate at Captivate to have such good balance. You know, we, we implement a lot of great things, but not rashly. And that we did that with the podcasting 2.0 stuff. A lot of people, including our previous advisors, were saying, you're behind the curve with podcasting 2.0. That's cool. Like behind your curve, behind hmm. actually your curve, but the, 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 our, our users, the people who will, if we introduce something that is difficult and new for them, that they've got to spend time learning, may well stop podcasting because they're worried that they can't keep up 
I'm actually in front of their curve and I know their curve and their curve is not where your curve is. And again, that's how industries work. They're the early adopters. They're the real bleeding edge people. They're the people that are towing the line between being interested in the industry and sort of just kind of being in it by accident because they're creating it. So there's a lot that's going on there. And I think the risk with the podcast industry is that it becomes, not becomes, but some of the most prominent voices remain binary. It's this or that. And, I, you know, that's that's only a risk to them. They're going to be the ones whose curves no one really cares about if they're not careful. So you've got to watch that as a founder. That's one thing that I'm conscious of. Um, you've got to, you've got to be sensible and you've got to listen and you've got to be empathetic with things. So yeah, again, a lot in that, but I mean, we could probably do 10 episodes on that. I think. <laughs> it's like comparing the Pirelli calendar to the Michelin calendar. Little <laughs> 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 differences there for, for anybody that knows these calendars. <laughs> that is, um, that takes me back to like 1989, taking my car to a garage in mm. like Barnsley in the North of England. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I get that. That's a reference that not many people are going to get. <laughs> no, we might have to make this a video segment just to, like, you know, just throw that out there on a snip or something. Um, now, obviously, you, you mentioned that the, the the industry, from a podcaster point of view, we're now looking at kind of three distinct podcasters. Hobbyist, serious indie podcaster, then the multi-million dollar media companies. Um, and one of the biggest for all, especially the serious indie podcaster and the media companies, is monetization. One of the biggest questions has been about monetization, um, especially the last couple of years, from working with advertisers and sponsors to Spotify paying for exclusives with an eye on attracting bigger advertisers to the platform. And there's been mixed results. So I'm curious why you think it's been hard for so many to effectively address monetization. My, uh, my microphone wouldn't unmute then. And I was going to edit this out. I thought I'll edit that out, but then... This is an interview with me, so I'm just going to leave it in. That was funny. So, podcast, well, monetization of anything, not just podcasts, is very, very difficult because you have to get people to do different things in a reasonably standardized sequence. You have to get them to look at something, listen to something, move from one place to another to look at something else or listen to something else and then do a number of different things to quantify and qualify whether or not what they've heard or seen or read or whatever results in some ROI. And that's a really like high level marketing thought process. But it's the same with everything, whether you're selling software, whether you're selling cars, whether you're selling Star Wars figurines, guitars or your audience on a podcast. And the challenges, I think the challenges came in the earlier days where there wasn't much tech available um, to do decent programmatic, decent dynamic ad, ad work within podcasts. That's getting better. That is getting better. You know, we do it. Every other host does it. Um, but what happened was that the sponsorships became like the be all and end all. And, 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 you know, some people discovered the fact that you could do fixed, fixed price, direct sales. And, you know, obviously host red was the, the real queen of the, the crop when it came to, to, to sponsorships because they performed much better. But what that did was it left creators with this problem and it doesn't matter the size of the creator. It still left them with a problem. All right. So if I'm a brand and I think I'm going to take a punt on this podcast lark, I might allocate three or six months or even 12 months to this. But then I've got to go into a meeting later or I've got to look myself if I'm like a small business that's took a punt on a smaller podcast. And I've got to say, what did that do? And it's really difficult to understand. Now, of course, we understand things like brand uplift. We understand the way to measure things like that. But again, like I said with my mum earlier, you know, the, the, the equivalent of my mum's listening mindset, which is I don't care what happens as long as I get the good stuff, is really, I don't care what happens as a marketer as long as I get the results at the end. But we can't show that, you know, so we started doing things like 
Go to this link with this coupon code, which is brilliant for some things and rubbish for others. Like, if I listen to a podcast, what are the chances of me mowing the lawn and thinking, oh, you bloody hell, you got me. That's right. I need this new mattress right now. I'm going to stop this lawn mowing. I'm going to get me a mattress. Doesn't work. All right. So it's very often about brand uplift and about recollection. And we know that, you know, from the Edison data, from the Infinite Dial stuff, we know that brand recall is really high amongst podcast listeners. For that reason, you get piping into the the brain of someone. So yeah, I get that, but that's difficult to measure. Um, so what that, what that inadvertently did was it meant that in order to get the right number out of the bottom end, just standard marketing, you needed to put a pile of numbers in at the top, which meant that in order to do that, you needed downloads and you needed shows that had big downloads. But that doesn't help you and I, the standard independent podcaster that's doing this for a living. So that forced people to obviously direct sell at fixed price. That's great. I'm a big advocate of that model because I think there's a lot of power in those kind of niches or for our American friends, the niches, but you're wrong, the niches. And what what went on then was people would um, they'd find, they'd find themselves having the same problem. All right, I will fix price this. I've got 250 listeners per episode. Give me a grand a month. It's a super tight audience. You'll definitely sell some stuff. But then they didn't because that, 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 that relevance at the right time is not right. I'm not ready to buy the thing, but I know about the thing. So I'm at like the attribution back to the podcast might not happen for six, nine, 12 months because I'm not ready for that mattress until a year later, but I still remember hearing it. So that caused a lot of people to then fret about, um, and this is at every level, by the way, this is not like just the Indies. This is people mm. like Spotify offering big MRGs, minimum revenue guarantees to like Joe Rogan and whatever, uh, signing bonuses or whatever. That's all stopped, or certainly there needs to be a damn good business case for that sort of stuff, and it's much lower cost than it was two years ago because they're having the same problems. I think, well, how do I quantify all this stuff? So what that has led to is what we've always advocated at at, at Captivate and what any person with any common sense whatsoever in any business role, in any business, in any country in the world has always advocated for eggs and bloody baskets. Right, don't put all your eggs in one basket. If you want to make money podcasting, don't make all your money from sponsorships. So this is about diversity in monetization. And we're seeing this a heck of a lot already. We're seeing it through memberships and subscription models, uh, exclusive access, early access, windowed content. We're seeing it through tips, listener support. We're seeing all that sort of stuff that all the best hosts are really doing very, very well. There are some rudimentary implementations of that, but it can still work. And the point is that diversity monetization, spreading your eggs amongst many different baskets, activates a range of different fans. So it will activate the casual fans that want to chuck you a fiver. It'll activate the people like you do with PodChat that want to subscribe to the premium feed and get exclusive or early access content. It will allow you to do things like be selective over your sponsors. And guess what? If you do good work, you will get direct sponsorship, which theoretically, if you carry on doing good work, you should elevate yourself to being able to do dynamic programmatic marketplace style sponsorships, uh, you know, like spot sales, where this is all fed through an ad server. And, and you know, we enter the big leagues and we, we, we enter the realm of CPM based, uh, you know, cost per thousand downloads based advertising. So it's a progression, it's diversity in monetization. And those challenges exist at every single level. I know some of the biggest podcasts in the world who could and do have CPM-based sponsorships, they bolster their revenue with predictable recurring money that comes in every month from their membership subscribers. Because eggs in baskets. So it's 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 a challenge, but it sort of isn't as well. And I think this is one of the like one of the frustrating things about all the kind of guff that was perpetuated by the online marketers. Maybe you know 2014 to 2018 ish when it was really prevalent like the create a podcast and you will monetize it i know you won't that's you remember like you'll know this better than anyone like build a website and they will come no they Mm. won't open a shop they'll come no they won't put a a song on spotify you'll get listened no you won't put a youtube video people will watch it No, no 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 it requires a lot of other stuff marketing um so I don't, like it's not any more complex than anything else, but the, the difference is twofold. 
across the entire podcasting industry, listening is passive. It's not active. Like I'm looking at you now and we're actively engaged. I watch YouTube, I'm actively engaged. I watch The Mandalorian, I'm actively engaged. Podcasting is passive. So I've got to really get someone, you know, recollection, boom, 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 hit me with a brand, 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 hit me with a brand. So that when I need the mattress, I'm like, that bloody brand that I heard on that podcast. Oh, of course, that's what it is. The second problem is that, like, you know, if you build a business, you need to do all this same stuff. You get your first sale through a lot of hard work, a lot of marketing, a lot of promotion, a lot of people knowing about you. But a lot of the time, that's your business. 90 odd percent of podcasters that we talk to are doing it because they love it. That's the equivalent of me spending two hours a week on my golf, like tops, going out there after the two hours a week and being like, why do I still slice it then? Because I don't have the time to do anything else. Of course, that's fine. It's a hobby. So I think podcasting has these challenges across the board and, and, um, it sounds trite, but the method, the method to get around that is like literally learn marketing and understand that it takes time. And that's, that's why we exist is to help people with that. So, um, yeah, a big complex issue, I think that we could, again, we could spend a heck of a lot of time on, but it's, um, it, I think it warrants further discussion probably later down the line. Maybe we'll do this again with a couple of other people on as well, but there's a lot, there's a lot to that, but the, the basic, the basis is anyone can only make money if other people know enough to want to be exposed to what they do. That is it. That's just the rule. Mm. And it does seem that um, you mentioned Spotify, you mentioned the CPM model of a lot of the bigger advertisers. It does seem that a lot of the news that came out of the industry where Spotify's cutting exclusives, Amazon cut exclusives, um, podcast agencies or media companies are closing down or laying people off. A lot of that's based around those that are only really involved in the ad model as opposed to multiple streams of revenue. Um, and that's, I know, captivates, uh, our, our goal with Captivate is to really help the indie podcaster grow the show, save time, save money, but grow and make money. So as 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 you mentioned, you need to learn marketing and you need to allocate time to that to really bring the audience in that helps you get these listeners and X, Y, Z into sponsors, revenue, memberships, etc. If someone asked you as a podcaster, okay, there's 10 different things that I can do. What are the two or three things that I can really focus on now to try get to that stage? If I was going to grow a fresh podcast from scratch, I'd focus on two particular areas. I'd focus on short-term, sort of near, near-sighted marketing, if you like, and long-term, long-term gain marketing. So I'll start with that one, actually. So the, the biggest thing you can do, and you can even use, like, I'm, I'm sure there are like gurus selling courses on this. <laughs> if you'd like to know, there is some right charlatans out there. Like, you can even use ChatGPT to just say, right, what are people looking for in my niche? You know, and so think about this as keyword research because the, the, the best way to build anything is to always be present throughout the research cycle or the buying cycle or the listening cycle or the whatever cycle is to be like, you want to be the obvious choice. I used to make an analogy when I was doing um, speaking gigs around startups and business, where if you imagine a sale at the end of a corridor, so you've got a corridor, you've got to lead your prospect, the person buying the thing that you're selling right down a hotel corridor. And at the end, there's a door at the very, very end that you, you've got to get them through in order to sell them the thing. But out of each other door on each side of them on the corridor is someone shouting an objection. What about the cost? What about the guarantee? Can you really afford this? Is it going to be crap? Is it going to be any good? What about these missing things? What about these things that you might not need? Your job at every stage is to be present enough to close down those objections before they get to the door. All right. So it's like, what about the price? <laughs> no brainer. Look at all the value. What about trusting these people? Uh, yeah, hello. They've answered all these other questions. Like these guys are the obvious choice for this. And it's the same with podcasting. You know, if you are present for every every time someone asks a question about anything in your niche and you've got a damn episode about it, you will gain listeners. That is it. That is a fact. 
That is a fact. And I know that because that's how I've grown this show. That's how I've grown Captivate. Like how many times do we share the, here's a trailer format you can copy podcast episode. Mm. A lot of times. Like if you Google podcast network business plan, one of my episodes is there just because that's the plan. Okay. So that's the first thing. Short term, like nearsighted stuff. You have to focus on not necessarily marketing, but just promotion. Like just promotion. If you don't have time to learn marketing, get really good at saying, here's this new thing that I've released today. Here's how you get it and tell everyone you know about it. And that's really high level stuff. There are a lot of tactics that go with that. Do you use social? Do you use video? How, you know, what are your calls to action? How do you structure that? What toolkit do you use to do that? But that's the basis. Here's new thing. You enjoy it and tell everyone else that you know that might enjoy it to also enjoy it. That's why, like for Spark of Rebellion, a really good way to promote that is just turn up at Star Wars Celebration. Just turn up and have conversations. And guess what? How do we grow Captivate? All those speaking gigs, all of those conferences, all those friends that I've got so that when we launch Captivate, like the day we launched Captivate, we were greatly profitable. Literally, the second that we enabled the sign-up screen, we had people signing up because it was like, oh, it's Mark and Kieran. That'll be good. It's Mark and Kieran. Oh, that'll be good. And people told other people. Um, so you've got to do the same with your podcast. So yeah, that's why I'd say... That's why I'd say, again, a lot to that, a lot we could dig into with that one, but good question, dude. So, Mark, we talked about how you got your fire back right at the start of the episode, which seems a long, long time ago. <laughs> we talked about how you got your fire back after a year away, and it's clear, speaking to you now about some of the topics that we've discussed, there's a lot that that you've got to say. Um, so what's next for the Podcast Accelerator, and what's next for you, and what's next for Captivate? Well, for me and the podcast accelerator, it's more of the same. A lot of people say that, like, what's what's next for you now? You're part of global. Like, are, you, are, you, are you off? Are you going to do different things? Like, nope, this is just me. I could still be podcasting even if I didn't work in it. So it's just more of the same. It's, it's. I said it last week on the episode, you know, we've got an amazing team um, with Captivate. You know, you're a huge part of it. We've got such a strong and confident team that I don't have to do a lot of the stuff that I used to do. A lot of the the stuff that when you have a team, it's like micromanagement, but when you don't have a team, it's just getting your hands dirty. So I've, I'm able to, I'm able to think like I used to do, like some of the big picture stuff, like the new features that we're putting out next week. Um, some of the longer term planning for Captivate, some of the brand positioning uh, with Captivate. Again, some of the stuff that we're launching next week is very much a sort of subtle brand repositioning. Um, so it's, it's more of that, man. I love doing it. I, I, I am very fortunate to work in an industry like you do that is just enjoyable. So it's more of the same. The accelerator, it's shifting to Thursdays from Mondays because it's silly to put out episodes on a Monday. Like what idiot thought that was a good idea. Um, it's 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 going to be a mix of this stuff. So it's going to be a lot of interviews with people who are genuinely great at what they do. It's going to be a lot of my solo education. It's going to be round tables. So it's going to be very much education focused, but probably at an industry level if you like sometimes you know bringing in education on the industry because i think that's the thing that the hobbies podcaster sometimes feels alienated by is what's going on that i don't know about that i probably should know about and do i need to worry about it so there's a lot of that going on um for captivate couldn't possibly tell you you're gonna have to turn up to the live stream on youtube.com slash captivate podcasting at 4 p.m uk on the 16th of may and i will say and i know you'll back this up the new set of features that we're putting out next week are absolutely insane. They are, it is the most well done piece of kit, I think, on the, on the entire market, dude. I think it's, everyone's done such a good job of it. Yep, no, I 100% back that up. I've just been doing some testing this week and I've been blown away and I had to share on Twitter. No screenshots, obviously, because I value my life and limps. But uh, yeah, it's, it is super amazing. I can't wait for the podcasters to get their hands on it. I love it, man. I love it. Well, listen, thanks for interviewing me, mate. This has been a, it's been a, 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 a swap in roles, which I'm fascinated by. So I really appreciate it, dude. And, and we met, we've mentioned it a few times, but what's the, what are you working on? What's the thing? What's the thing? I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but what's the thing that you want people to get a hold of that you're producing, dude? 
Yeah, so thanks, mate. And I enjoyed it. It's like, it's different to be the interviewer bit on someone else's show. That's a, that's a new one. I might have to look into that as a niche, niche, whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, you mentioned Podchat. Thank you for that. That's fallen off on a little bit of a spring hiatus, but I'm getting, I've got a bunch of guests lined up for that. Um, I do one minute podcast tips, which I can't really explain any more than that. It's just one minute podcast tips and so no deep dives, nothing there, just really short, punchy things. So you can basically find me whatever podcast I do. I've got some really fun hobby ones that I do now and again. You can find all that at dannypod.com. And obviously I'm on the Captivate team, so you can find me online. Any Captivate questions, either fling them over at Captivate Audio on Twitter or myself at Danny Brown CA. Legend. Thank you, my friend. And to you, the ever present, always appreciative listener, you are appreciated right back in return. We've got a lot of content coming up. I've produced a lot. We've got some great interviews coming up talking about YouTube, talking about community, talking about monetization, and of course, some solo education from me as well. So, welcome back to the Podcast Accelerator. Keep sharing your voice because it matters to those who hear it. Until next time, take it easy. Bye for now.